So when I was five years old, the Nintendo 64 launched and my dad picked it up pretty near launch. So I don't have a whole lot of gaming memories before this time, but the Nintendo 64 was something that I fell in love with. This was our default form of entertainment. Whenever we were bored, we got out the N64 and we did this for years. And I was playing games like Mario 64, mm. Pilot Wings, Star Fox 64, the list goes on. But I'm telling you, man, this introduction to gaming really shaped me and, you know, made me a Nintendo fan, but also there are such solid games on the N64 that it really got me interested in gaming in the first place. And I think if the 64 hadn't had such strong titles right up front, I don't know that I would be the same gamer that I am today. I remember playing N64 at your house when we were kids all the time. I mean, it was my introduction to Star Fox as well. Mm -hmm. My first gaming moment that I want to talk about was when I finished Gen 2 Pokemon. So I had Pokemon Silver. I finished it. You know, I beat the uh, champion and all that. I felt so accomplished. I was on top of the world. And then I went back to my hometown and realized I could go revisit Kanto, which was the, the region from Gen 1. And as a kid, I think I just had a knack for a quote-unquote open world. I know Pokemon wasn't exactly that, but there is a, a certain amount of exploration there. And just realizing I could go back to that first region that I already loved from playing Pokemon Yellow was so big for me. Um, there were more gems to battle through, you know, eight more gems. I mean, what can you ask for? I mean, you'd be greedy to ask for nine more gems. And you could also go back and catch more of those Gen 1 Pokemon. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, I remember this as well. And I remember thinking that this was one of the coolest things. And it did make the game feel huge. Yeah. You know, I read that the Johto region from Gen 2 was actually a little empty compared to Gen 1. And that's because they added Kanto back in and they could just barely fit both regions on the cartridge. Oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah. So the next moment I'd like to talk about is when I discovered simulation games. Now, I love simulation games. You do. And the very first one I played was Roller Coaster Tycoon. This is a game that really opened my mind to what video games could be. Because it wasn't just mindless fun. This is something where you kind of got to think and kind of build things and create stuff. And this led me down the simulation game rabbit hole. Games like SimCity, The Sims, tons of other tycoon games. Mm -hmm. Also games like Kerbal Space Program. Yep and Stardew Valley, and then other roller coaster games like Planet Coaster. You know, the list goes on forever. And I love all those games so much. If it hadn't been for Roller Coaster Tycoon, I may have missed out on those. So discovering simulation games is a big part of gaming for me. I actually played Roller Coaster Tycoon when we were kids a lot as well. The first two, I bought it from a book fair at school. And I remember just playing that thing to death. I can't remember when I got Roller Coaster Tycoon. I know it was before Roller Coaster Tycoon 2 came out mm -hmm. because I remember when that game came out, I was super excited for yeah. it. So that would have been in the like very early 2000s, late 90s, somewhere around there. Yeah, probably so. Well, my next gaming moment was a much more current gaming moment, and that was finishing the tutorial phase of Ghost of Tsushima and that big moment where it just throws you into the open world. You're on horseback. You're riding through this. Actually, it's got some goosebumps. You're riding through this like field with this super tall grass. It's so picturesque and cinematic. It immediately put me in the mindset of, okay, I'm role-playing a samurai. 
I'm going to behave as though the samurai would morally. And I'm not just going to go through and mindlessly hack and slash. I'm going to do what a samurai character in a movie would do. And I know that's kind of hard to say from just being thrown into a big field on horseback, but it, it was just so gorgeous. It just really hit me in the feels. So my next gaming moment that impacted me was when I first played some 3D Rockstar games. Specifically, Vice City was the first 3D Rockstar game I played. I somehow missed out on GTA 3 until a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But this was such an amazing experience because up until this point, games in my mind were this very scripted adventure, right? You did what the game wanted you to do. You completed the objectives. Vice City was different in that you could do those things. You could complete the objectives, do the missions, you know, do whatever the game wanted you to do. But the real fun came in creating your own adventure within the game because the game gave you these tools and then you could go out and do whatever you wanted with it. Driving was fun. You could interact with all the people. You could go in shops. If you wanted to rob the store, you could rob the store. Just the concept of this game really interested me. And from then on out, I was really interested in these Rockstar games. I played Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2, loved those games. Every time I play a game that's in that Rockstar formula, I'm reminded that games can be fun just purely by the mechanics. It's not all about the story. Now, Rockstar games have gotten, their stories have gotten better over the years, but still the core mechanics are what makes the game fun. So my next gaming moment that I want to talk about is an extremely specific side quest from Fallout 3. I was obsessed with Fallout 3 and then Fallout New Vegas and then Oblivion and Skyrim, just any Bethesda RPG I could get my hands on. But it all started with Fallout 3. Fallout 3 actually was the reason I got so obsessed with RPGs for years. For a while, it was the only genre of game I wanted to play. But there's a side mission in Fallout 3 that you can actually get to almost immediately. So I loaded into Fallout 3, I got out of the vault, and I pulled up my map, and I saw this, this city way to the east called Rivet City. So I was like, well, I can go anywhere in this world. I'm going to go to Rivet City. And all of a sudden, I come upon like two or three buildings associated with this one family. And the town is called Andale. And you start to interact with these NPCs and you start to realize that not all is as it seems in Andale. And if you go into a certain shed, you find all these like hanging human bodies that have been like decapitated and you can clearly see that these are cannibals. Well, then these NPCs come and they confront you and you get into a confrontation and I think you can probably handle that confrontation in a variety of ways, which is par for the course with Bethesda. But that, that was just so immersive for me and it really like hammered home the point, oh, I can do anything in this game and even the side quests are gonna be rewarding. If I remember um, any side quest from any game, it's always Andale. That's the one side quest that I had played up to that point that didn't just seem like a meaningless fetch quest and I just loved it so much. Anytime I started a Fallout 3 character, I always went straight to Andil. That reminds me a lot of my next gaming moment, which was playing Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is different than a lot of games in that you can complete the game in any order that you like. You are not given a predestined path that you have to follow. You can go do any of the missions, any of the side quests, and really whatever order you would like for the most part. And I think this is the first game that really felt like it had endless possibilities. 
But also, this game came at a really important time in my life. I was looking for a new hobby to get into because I was starting a new job as a public school teacher. And, you know, I just needed something to do outside of my job for entertainment. And the Switch had just come out. So I picked up a Switch, and along with the Switch, I picked up Breath of the Wild, and man, this had come to me at the perfect time. I was so obsessed with the game, and it just felt so immersive, and like I could do anything. Yeah, and you really could. I mean, I don't think a game has ever done the open world exploration thing to that great of an effect for me personally. It's certainly something that if you haven't experienced it, you need to, because there is no game quite like Breath of the Wild. And that really segues into my next moment, which is just, in general, getting a Switch. Realizing that I was now able to play the same console quality games I'm playing on the TV in a handheld on the go. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Breath of the Wild was a big part of that. And being able to take those games on the go, you know, just grab it straight out of the dock, take it on the go, take it over to my parents' house or whatever, and pick up right where I left off in Breath of the Wild, or play some Smash, Mario Kart, whatever, to me, that was so huge. I mean, it was it was like the seven or eight year old in me who had played, you know, N64, and then I'd pick up my Game Boy Color, and obviously there's a different quality of game there. It was like the seven year old in me was just ecstatic that we had come to this point with the technology where this was possible. And kind of like you said, the Switch really did rekindle my love of games. I mean, up to that point, I had kind of gotten out of it. I was really only playing RPGs, and I wasn't even really playing anything at the time. So the Switch really got both of us back into gaming, and I really don't think we can say enough about how thankful we are to Nintendo for putting out such a great console. Now, a moment ago, you spoke about the technology and how the technology has progressed and kind of is bringing us better and better gaming moments. Mm -hmm. And to kind of piggyback off that, my next gaming moment was getting a VR headset. Now, this is something that really changed my mind about what games could be because VR is just the next level of immersion. And gaming is all about escapism. And there is no better way to really feel like you've been transported into a new world like VR. Now, I picked up a PlayStation VR. It came with Resident Evil 7 VR. It came with Skyrim VR and a few other games. I can't quite remember all of them. Oh, it came with Everybody's Golf VR and maybe another game or two. I loved all those games. I just love the level of immersion that, that VR brought. And it gets me excited about the future of games. I do think that VR games are gonna continue to get better and better and better, and they're gonna bring better and better experiences for people. If you have not experienced a VR game, it is something worth searching out because it's unlike other video games. And if you don't like regular video games, well, you're probably not listening to us if you don't like regular video probably games. Probably not, but we're glad you are if you are. But VR games, I think, scratch a different itch for a lot of people. I've had people try VR that don't play video games, and generally, people really enjoy it. So I think there is a lot of appeal to VR. You started us off with an N64 moment, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna end us with one. And I really think this moment is on brand for almost all of our moments, because if you had to choose one common thread throughout all five of each of our moments, almost all of them have dealt with immersion. And this was my first ever instance of encountering what felt like a huge open world. And that was when I was seven years old. I beat the great Deku tree in Ocarina of Time and finally got to leave Kokiri Forest 
and entered Hyrule Field. You know, it gives you that big sweeping sequence. The music hits, the owl is on the tree and he explains to you kind of what's gonna happen as you move forward. And then you're just thrown into this huge field that has what felt like miles and miles and miles of stuff for seven-year-old me to explore. Obviously, looking back now, it's just a big sandbox level. But you could go to the Zora's Domain. If you went to the other corner, you could go to the Gerudos. You could go to Hyrule Castle. You could go to Lon Lon Ranch. Just having all those choices and being able to just run around with Link, battle skeletons if you get left out at night, which again added to the immersion because I was like, oh, I've got to make it to the castle before nightfall or I'm going to have to stay out and fight these skeletons because they raised the drawbridge. That to me was huge. And I know that there's a lot of other people who would probably agree that was one of the earliest instances of an quote unquote open world in gaming. Right. It felt real. It felt like a real world that was lived in. And there were real world implications for what you did in that world. Yeah. I mean, it, it served as just the central hub for Ocarina of Time. You know, you break Epona out of Lon Lon Ranch. You jump the fence. Where do you land? You're in Hyrule Field. You're racing through Hyrule Field on this horse, this like legendary horse. Like you just can't beat that crap. And I don't know how to put that more eloquently. Remember to go over and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at game and gig, all words. We'd love to see you over there. And until next time, guys, I'm Randy. And I'm Daniel. And this has been Gaming Gig. Peace out. Peace out.